From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpotts. Hello, podcast listeners. As always, I hope you're doing well. If you have watched the news lately, you know we are in the middle of talking a great deal about coronavirus. I hope you are staying healthy. You are listening to what our health leaders are telling us because we just don't know where this is headed. But it's been nice this last week to see a lot of compassion from a lot of different folks. And we're going to need that going forward in this. Here at Uniquely Kentucky, it's my pleasure to give you a break from the headlines and the stress sometimes. So I hope you'll enjoy this week's guest. She is a Central Kentucky native. She lovingly refers to herself as the ambassador to the Commonwealth when it comes to helping people plan out their trips to the Lexington area. It's a place she loves and one she loves to show people around. Audra Meehan is the author of a new book that will help folks in Lexington explore the city and hopefully find new adventure in their own backyard with the book 100 Things to Do in Lexington Before You Die. Uniquely Kentucky with Amber Philpot is brought to you by the WKYT News and Weather Apps, available on the App Store and Google Play. Audra Meehan, welcome to Uniquely Kentucky. Thanks Thank for coming you. in. Thanks for having me. So this is exciting. I love when I get these kinds of emails that say, this book is coming your way. And I get something that says, 100 things to do in Lexington before you die. And that is your new book. That's my new book. It's a labor of love for the city that I love. And uh, it's it's really exciting. I'm promoting it. And it, the official release date is March 15th. So it's my curated list of all the things that I think are important for people to do in Lexington, and it's broken up into five different categories. So my next book will have to be 100 Places to Eat and Drink, because that was the hardest one to pare down. It was very, very difficult um, just to pare the whole thing down. I actually had to restrict it and only include places that had a Lexington mailing address. So you won't see the castle in here because that's a Versailles address, but you will see places like Raven Run, even though it's largely in Jessamine County, it has a Lexington mailing address. So I used that to kind of curate it down and make it into uh, some things people will recognize and some things lifelong residents have probably never done. I think that's what I like about it the most is that, you know, I've grown up in Kentucky my whole life. And aside from Lexington, there are places even out in the state that we just don't go and uh, seek adventure to those places. So why was this so important? Because I, I, I love when I was reading about you that you say you're an ambassador to the Commonwealth and you're also Um, a fun agent. And that has another connotation (laughs) with your other job. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the fun agent kind of goes with this book of finding out all these really cool spots. So why was this something that was important out of all the things that maybe you could have written? You could ask that question to any number of people that know me and they would go, well, it's about time. So I am like a a Yelper for my friends and family. So literally it got to the point where if they knew someone that was coming to visit Lexington, they would give them my number so they could text me and say, I'm coming in with six women. We want someplace with wine specials that has maybe comfy chairs to sit in. And I would curate for them and write back and be like, well, here's your options. And, you know, or we need this part of town and it's going to be 30 people or we need a private room or we need certain types of sandwiches or whatever. So it was getting to where people were sharing my number with people I didn't even know and they would text or Facebook or whatever. So the first comment I got when I set up the Facebook page was a friend of mine saying, I hope it's this is the page where you tell me all the things I have to do in Lexington, because <laughs> it's about time. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, and um, so, yeah, Lexington is just a place that I love and I'm happy to share it with people. And I've always been that way. And when you say the places that we don't go to, we always take where we live mm-hmm. for granted. We're always going to Gatlinburg or Nashville or Florida or wherever that may be, Mexico, you know, but we, we overlook what's in our backyard. And I grew up with parents who took us to all the historic home sites. Like we traveled and went to land between the lakes and Cumberland. And, you know, we did the Indian mounds up in Mm -hmm. Ohio and just different things like that. So I've always had a love for finding out, um, what's right here that we're, that we're overlooking. I love that. Uh, I read about you that in this reminded me of myself because I grew up in a small town. You say you're from Wilmore. I'm from Mm -hmm. Cynthia. We would come to Lexington and that was the big city for us, you know? Yeah. It's our Mount Pilot to our Mayberries. Absolutely. I grew up on Harrodsburg Road when Turflin Mall was a thing. And anytime you came to Lexington, it was for something important or special. So I remember putting on a dress when I was really sick just to go to the doctor up on Harrodsburg Road. You know, like it was a big trip. That's what you did. So, so yeah, Lexington's always been a special place. And now that I live here, um, my husband is a lifelong Lexington resident and we live downtown. It's, it was just, I had to do it. It's, it's been such a fun experience and really hard to narrow it down to a hundred things. Oh, I can't imagine. Even with that Lexington only. It was really difficult. I remember coming to Lexington for uh, the McGalpins, the the big sales. Yes, the Moonlight Madness. Moonlight Madness (laughs) was like, it was like a department store in New York City, what I would think of one there now when I was a child. That's so I appreciate that more than you know. So as you're narrowing down a hundred of these places, uh, is there one that sticks out the most to you that you either maybe forgot about, learned more about, or just sort of became a favorite of yours after you discovered it again? That's a fun question because, yes, there is a place that I just don't think anyone in Lexington knows about. My husband found out about it from a former coworker, and we do it every so often. There's a Panaderia, which is a Mexican bakery, on the north side of New Circle behind the um, Greyhound bus station. Huh. So Aguas Calientes is a little um, supermarket mm-hmm. that's there, and then in the separate building, there's this bakery. And so you can go in the morning until about 9.30 in the morning, and there is a lady set up in the bakery with all those big like stock pots that you would use tailgating to make burgoo or something in. And they're filled with all different types of tamales. So you go in for this experience in the morning and you go pick a roll and you take it up to the bakery counter and you pay $2 or something for your roll. And then you wait in line for the tamales because there's always a line. (laughs) And you tell her which kind you want. I always get something spicy. There's like a rib. And I mean, there's probably 20 different varieties of tamales. And, you know, tamales are wrapped in that corn husk. So they're wrapped pretty tightly and they're they're kind of difficult to open if they're mm-hmm. too hot. Well, this lady puts this bag on her hand, takes your roll, cuts it, and then uses these tongs to get the tamale out. And it's like this beautifully, she's just masterful at like using these tongs to unroll this tamale and shove it down into that bread. And then she wraps the bag around it and twists it so that the steam from the tamale kind of softens the bread. And it's a tamale sandwich. And you pay her like another $2. So like for four bucks, you've got this massive roll filled with this piping hot tamale. And people just haven't done it. I mean, until now, hopefully... (laughs) They're going to get a run. Just watering, Uh, listening to you talk about that. It sounds so beautiful and delicious at the same time. And you can practice your Spanish because you know there's signs there in Spanish and they're very friendly. So my husband and I are always trying to like kind of keep that up. So it's just a neat thing that you know. There's a lot of stuff in the book that 
residents mm -hmm. are familiar with that visitors will benefit from. But things like that are things that residents don't even know exist. Off the and like, path yes, kind of things. something cool and weird to do. Yeah, I love that when I was reading through uh, what you sent me, they're really uh, digestible pieces of information as well. It's mm -hmm. like this really quick read of, okay, here's what I need to know. And then it makes you want to go to that place immediately. Good. That's what it was supposed to Good. do. The publisher was like, make sure you paint a picture with words. And I have a writer friend who said, you know, a lot of people have trouble cutting it to 150 words. She said, but for me, that's my, that's all day. 150 words about a place where you can really paint the picture. Mm -hmm. And then we put tips in the book. Mm -hmm. So I like to let people know a, a lot of complaints about downtown are parking. So I always like to let people know I'm constantly as ambassador to the Commonwealth. <laughs> when I get out of my car downtown, I'm running up to people and going, no, it's after five. You don't have to <laughs> Pay. You don't have to pay. <laughs> or don't park there. Right. Not yeah, there, yeah. Not no, now. they'll tow you in a second. Exactly. So, <laughs> so yeah, we try to, to do that. City, just figuring out parking is mm -hmm. a huge challenge and it can be overwhelming and it makes you have this lasting impression of a place that you don't want to go back. And so that should not be the yes. case. So good for you. I scrolled the whole list. There's so many, but I, I appreciate that you chose Belly Up to the Bar at Chevy Chase Inn because mm -hmm. I love hole in the wall places. I love the guys that own it. And then Blue Door Smokehouse is a place literally that you could drive right by that place and not even see it. Right. And it's just a gem of a spot right there. Best brisket in town. Oh Probably the best brisket I've ever had in wow. my life. And my husband makes brisket, but he understands. <laughs> He gets it. He, he knows. He He's had it, it, too. <laughs> and then to watch a movie at the Kentucky Theater. And I'm going to go and say, you can go watch any movie at the Kentucky Theater, but if you get a chance to go watch an old film. I saw White Christmas there and it was like the best thing I've ever done. I saw South Pacific there, and literally sitting in that theater, you're transported back in time as if you're watching that movie for the very first time. So I highly recommend that for folks. Absolutely. I went just this year, and or last year, I guess, but uh, saw Gone with the Wind, which, you know, it has an intermission, and that's the kind of theater it would have been in with an yes. intermission. So it was, yeah, it was a really cool experience. So where does this love of writing come from for you? Is this something that was sort of like, I just thought I could try it? Or was it always been something that you wanted to do? You're so good with the questions. How did you know? So uh, on my Facebook post, my first grade teacher said, you told me you'd be an author someday. And I said, Oh, that's right. I did. And I vividly remember first grade Miss Newman's class at Wilmore Elementary. She, we had an author of the month. And we would talk about author of the month. And I told her, I'm one day I'm going to be your author of the month. And so she's retired now. But at least she got to see that and say, say something to me about Aww. it. So I guess I've been writing my whole life. And, um, you know, the other thing that I am the fun agent mm -hmm. as a as a real estate agent, I got into marketing at some point. And people don't realize there's a lot of marketing, there's a lot of writing in marketing. Sure. There's a lot of like advertising, copywriting, lots of inner, you know, a lot articles. Of wordplay, just yeah, in general. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of the a lot of the same type of stuff. I actually did stand up comedy for a while. Um, so and I wrote a roast for like a, a coach that was retiring. Friends and I got together and did this writing. So I think writing's been interwoven in my family and throughout my life. Um, and then just this time, it was time to write about the thing that I love the most. And the funniest thing is my sister, who has transplanted to Alabama, mm -hmm. 
she's actually the reason this book exists because I had a friend who was going to write it. And so when I told her that, she said, can you put me in touch with the publisher? So last October, her book, 100 Things to Do in Alabama Before You Die, came out. So we're all excited to tell the Justman Journal, like, Sister Scribes from Wilmore, write two books in, in six months. <laughs> I love that. That is great. That is great. You're not stealing each other's thunder. No. You're just going at it together. I, I know that writing can be a daunting task. I mean, I write every day in a shortened form for my job. And some days it comes to you and some days you're just sitting there blankly looking at the mm-hmm. screen. Um, was this a little bit easier to sit down and write something in this format versus maybe, you know, fiction and coming up with a long form story of some sort? As a reader, I'm a nonfiction person. So when my parents were taking us to all those places, I learned a love for mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln early on. And so I was always in the junior biographies section growing up. So yes, fiction for me comes easier. However, my mom and I and my sister have for years talked about writing a children's book. So there is some creativity um, that you know I would like to use in a more of a nonfiction mm-hmm. way. But as far as as far as or in more of a fiction way, but as far as nonfiction, I think, too, I found out which places I was more passionate about mm-hmm. uh, as I was writing. So some of them like Chevy Chase Inn was hard to write about because I haven't been there as sure. much and they don't have an online presence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I get my motivation from seeing more stuff online. So that one was um really an interesting thing for me to write and maybe a little more challenging than some of the others just because I don't know the owners and I know all the sure. friends of friends mm-hmm. and have been there plenty of times. So uh, so yeah, there were some in there that were a little bit different, but ultimately it, it came together pretty well, I think. It's a really interesting representation. I was really excited to go through the list because sometimes there are things that you forget about. And so mm-hmm. it was a really good representation of old and new um, and things that you think are the old tried and true also in Lexington as well. Um, We're gals from small towns. What do you think about Kentucky? And a lot of small towns are really seeing a type of revitalization. You know, there for a long time, it was, you know, Main Street is dead in a lot of places. But, you know, where I'm from in Cynthia, we've really seen a a revitalization and a boom. And I don't know about Wilmore, but do you see that? Well, we don't have the zombies in Wilmore. Well, that's true. (laughs) That's true. We will but always have our zombies. That's still awesome. I have a lot of friends actually from Cynthiana because, you know, Moorhead connections mm-hmm. um, where we went to school. But in Wilmore, absolutely. Um, Wilmore's its own little thing. Yeah. Uh, but I was thinking of that before I came, you know, when we talked about always going to the big city of Lexington, there wasn't stuff. There's the IGA, which everyone loves right. in Wilmore. And Leonard Fitch is everybody's adopted yes. grandfather. Mm-hmm. I love him to death. Um, there was a Ben Franklin dime store. Everybody had a Ben Franklin, Wilmore. I think. Yeah. <laughs> so we that's what we had in Wilmore. Sure. And then we would go to Nicholasville for Kmart and Kroger. And then everything else was, was Lexington. So uh, now the Main Street in Wilmore, I remember I was at the very first Christmas in Wilmore mm. at my friend Shannon Murphy. Her dad was the dentist. And there's a picture in the Jessman Journal of me stringing uh, popcorn for the Christmas tree and, and things like that. And I mean, there's grants out there like mm-hmm. Midway does the Renaissance, the downtown Main Street Renaissance grant mm-hmm. or something. So I think there's been a big movement for that as people are wanting more local. Um, my parents have actually sold the farm that we grew up in Wilmore 
but we sold it to a couple of people that my brother and I went to school with sure. our entire lives. So they now have kids there and they're raising crops and they go over to the Wilmore Farmers Market and sell vegetables and fruits. So I think all of those types of things, people wanting to eat better and wanting yeah. to get back to that kind of stuff is really helping the small towns. And it's also becoming something to be in the next book, A Hundred Things to Do in Central Kentucky, where I can include my hometown. I wondered if that was coming next. <laughs> yes. I wonder. Yes. So, I mean, there's so many things people don't know about in the cool um, surrounding counties and yeah. cities that you can get out to and and really experience kind of that small town. It's, it's becoming like a tourist destination mm-hmm. to see those small towns and to do horse farm tours sure. or, you know, do different things like that. And so, I love yeah. that you, you know, I, you know, you always think about bourbon and basketball and horse but it's really nice to venture beyond those because a lot of those things have now led to other things that Mm -hmm. you can go and see in different communities. Um, From beginning to end, when you started to put this together, this process of this book, how long did it take you? That's such a funny story. And I, I, I worry about sharing it with people because I don't want them to think I just slapped this book together. But my sister was writing her book and she got hers turned in. She gave herself like three months to write it. And she does, she travels the state and for her job, she's in PR. So she had a lot of ideas already kind of written. And so when I talked to her about, you know, wow, three months, okay, I'm going to try and do that. And she said, okay, so what you do is you take how many days you have and you divide into a hundred and you know, you have to write that many vignettes a day. And I said, that's great, but I've always been a procrastinator. (laughs) So the last week I'm like, okay, I have to write 23 entries today. my sister just goes, oh gosh, Audra, we work so differently. (laughs) Yes, I'm having hard palpitations (laughs) thinking of that for you, actually. Yes. So, but I I still was able to do it. I still went out and did research. I had never been to Pop's resale shop. Mm. So I, a friend wanted to do lunch and I said, yeah, I can do lunch as long as we can pop in there and I can check that place out because I'm writing about it right now and I, I need to experience it. So I still put the work in. I just am such a procrastinator. I had the list of 100 things but I yeah I did kind of well, it put it in there like well thank you together, good so. it, and I did give myself three months so <laughs> I was doing research and all of that the whole time but when it comes to the physically writing it right. my mentor is an old teacher from high school who I've just been close to forever and she laughed because she knows that's exactly that's sure. that's how I get my motivation is that deadline so <laughs> there are a lot of people that want to write and they just don't know where to start whether it is fiction nonfiction. can you talk to me a little bit about um sort of narrowing down, um, even finding, say, a publisher, because I think sometimes that's really daunting to people as well. They don't really know where to start. Maybe what was your path? Everybody works differently. So I think you, uh, I have a tendency to be swayed by other people in industries when I try to do something new and they tell me something and I let that set up a roadblock Mm -hmm. for me. So however you work, just be true to that. There's a lot of resources. So the Carnegie Center is the place Mm -hmm. to start absolutely find something that's free go there and then figure out what's worth paying for that speaks to you so start someplace like that for me like I said it was through a friend who was who knew a publisher and then my sister was kind of the impetus for me to to actually contact them to write I actually just left um co-working spaces are a big thing right now Mm -hmm. we've got base 110 in town and I actually just left a, a new friend that I also met through my friend that knows the publisher who started a Lexington writing room at base 110 and it's specifically for published writers but it's a place where you could find resources and find people that have done it so you know if you're like me and it's just you got to find a publisher or 
people self-publish. I have another yeah. realtor friend who's always one step ahead of me. And daggone it, in February, I got an invite to her book release party. <laughs> and I was like, mine comes out in March. Yeah, but she self-published a book of poems, and mm-hmm. it's amazing. So there's nothing holding you back in this day and age. Yeah. If you want to write, you can do it. Uh, just find your own path and use the resources that we have. Google's always great because you can just look up beginning writing in yeah. Lexington, Kentucky, and find, I'm sure, plenty other options to help sure. help get started. We're Moorhead State gals. Uh, what what I always have to give them a shout out. What made you choose Moorhead State for education, and, and how was it there for you? Yeah, I actually only applied to UK and Moorhead, mm-hmm. and uh, Moorhead gave me this nice little scholarship to awesome. come, and I was just like, all right, let's do it. And I was going to be a teacher when I went. My mentor was really upset that I never became a teacher because she's she's a teacher. But uh, I got hooked into the communications department and some theater friends, and uh, that was it. That's all she wrote. I, I stayed at Moorhead all four years and had a great time. And uh, like I said to you, I you know I, the first thing I did was went to the class notes and told them that I'd written this book. And yeah. the first thing they did was sent me a little congratulations. Here's some sunglasses and a keychain. Go Eagles! <laughs> That's so awesome. you know it's it's pretty cool. Well, some of the best theater that I think you know when I was in school to be able to see some of the shows that I saw at Moorhead State. So you we may have crossed paths and I may have seen you. Maybe so that was good stuff if you were in it for <laughs> well, sure. Thanks. <laughs> Um, I always like to talk to people if I can in this podcast. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But I am a huge bookworm, and obviously you have a a love of books. Um, I do not enjoy nonfiction as much. I'm a fiction gal. But talk to me about some of the things that you're reading right now or something that stands out to you recently or a book that's really had an impact on your life maybe. Yeah, any any women empowerment Mm -hmm. books. You know, everybody loves Sarah Hollis right now, anything um, like that. So, And especially audiobooks from the library. I find myself driving a lot. Mm-hmm. So I like to throw on an audiobook, but like I just love the SNL ladies right now. Oh. Uh, Tina Fey's autobiography, yes. um, just and then hearing them read it is so much fun. So um, so yeah, I've, that's those are the kinds of books I read, and it's totally I don't read anything fi- magazines I read <laughs> that are fiction, you know. But yeah, I, I very rarely find myself doing that, and it's funny because my husband is always reading yeah. something fiction, but. But yeah. Let's talk about the real estate market. We're here. Sure. That's your other, you know, sure. the fun agent. What's the real estate market like these days in Lexington? It's crazy. It's is so it? unbalanced. And it's um Lexington is immune to a lot of things. We're kind of lucky. We're very lucky in mm-hmm. that way. So when the bubble burst, it didn't it just didn't hit us as mm-hmm. hard. Um, it hit a lot of our contractors and things like that, the one man shops that were out. But we're working, we're trying to find more inventory. That's yeah. the problem. We have buyers, we just don't have a lot of houses to sell them, especially in like a first time buyer, 200 to $300,000 range. So, and actually that was just on Kentucky Newsmakers. We had the president of the Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors was just on this weekend talking about um, all the things that we're facing. And we of course just went through some bill approvals and things like that. So a lot of things are changing for realtors, but the the market's strong as far as interest rates are really Mm -hmm. low. It's a great time to buy. If you can find something. If you can right. find something if you're renting buy right now right. just find a realtor like reach out and start looking tomorrow because you don't have that worry mm-hmm. about being you know without a home sure um, but and it's a great time to sell when it's a great time to buy so you know you can take advantage of that market if you're a lot of people are downsizing we've got a yeah. lot of um, older people that are ready to my parents just did they right. sold the farm and did now they they're moved to town did they become city folk they're in the big city of Nicholasville See, my parents sold our farm and they moved to the big city of Cynthiana and it was a 
little difficult on me. They know that I was not as at first, but now right. I absolutely love it because yeah. for me, like just getting to them quicker or mm-hmm. being able to run in the neighborhood is yeah. like a big deal. You couldn't do that when you live 13 miles out of town well, on I a got, country road. Yeah. You know? And I would get worried about them. Right. Like if something, you know, they if never took their happens, cell phones. Uh-huh. I'm like, what if a tree falls on you? Yeah. Like you're just there. So yeah, it is, it is nice that they're there, but they're also snowboarding. So they oh. have a place in Melbourne beach as cool. well. They've bought a little place down there. So they're, uh, my dad is, is allergic to the cold. <laughs> Aren't we all, Dad, right? Yeah, so so they're loving that. But Audra, talk to me about uh, where you're going to be in um, the next couple of weeks if people want to maybe find you once the book comes out. Uh, a, where do they find the book? And then if you are going to be out maybe doing some signings, where are you going to be? Absolutely. So April 2nd is my launch slash release party, and it is at one of the entries in the book, Creo, awesome. which is our New Orleans-themed uh, bar on Short Street. Mm-hmm. So they're good friends of ours, and they were kind enough to throw that party for me. So that'll be April 2nd, which is also the opening of Keeneland and uh, Thursday Night Live. So if you don't want to fight the crowds at Keeneland, it's another great way to come to that same area downtown and kind of enjoy yourself. And I'll be there signing books. Um, Barnes & Noble is carrying the book. Joseph Beth is carrying the book. Of course, you can buy it on Amazon. My publisher is Reedy Press. So it's R-E-E-D-Y Press. And they have my book plus many, many other titles. So like I mentioned, my sister's book Mm -hmm. about Alabama. So if you're traveling and want to get the Lexington one and then get, you know, Nashville or St. Louis or whatever, you can do that. Um, And then I'll have different events. I'll have a book signing coming up at Wessex Brewing. A lot of the entries in the book um, will have a signing at uh, Scout, which is a Mm -hmm. little shop there on Liberty. I Mm -hmm. love Scout. Um, So just different ones throughout April. The Facebook page is 100 Things to Do in Lexington Before You Die. And so you you can follow that and I'll be uploading the events. I kind of just uploaded the release party so everyone could see that and then um, I'll be uploading those as they come up. No pressure, but I mean, when's the next book going to come out? Right. Uh, so <laughs> at the publisher, I have this kind of mentor that I talk to and she's written multiple titles. And so I asked her the other day, I said, how long did you wait before you wrote your next book? And she said about it came out about two years after the first one. So I think that's pretty good. I'll probably spend the rest of this year promoting this one and really um, putting the word out about Lexington. And then maybe next year I can start my research into the other count. I mean, I don't need to do too much research. I have a lot of ideas in mind already, but yeah, I can start looking into more of central Kentucky and getting some um, research done for that next book. Well, Audra, we're two Kentucky gals. We love everything (laughs) about this state and uh, this book, a hundred things to do in Lexington. Lexington before you die. It is a must. There are so many gems of places in here that you may have forgotten about, you may not even know about. So pick this book up and go explore the city that you live in. And if you don't live here, come to Lexington and explore. It's an excuse to get out and about. Audra, thank you so much. Thank Uh, you. Thank you to my listeners this week. And I guess until next time, I'll see you on the news on WKYT.